Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, my fact friends and fiends. I am your host, Elizabeth Fury, and this is Let's Talk About the Facts. Believe it or not, we are on yet another episode of Murder. And with us again is my good friend and friend of the podcast, Nate Ruger. Hello, hello, hello. And if you tuned in the last episode, the one previous to this, uh, Nate shared a delicious candy story with us. Very unsolved, very murder. Wait, no, well, not really. There wasn't a murder. I mean, it's definitely... There was a death. One of the greater unsolved mysteries in Japan, if not the world. (laughs) The world. Indeed. But today... We are going back to the United States of America because, you know, what we're famous for murder. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. And solving those murders just left and right, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely uh, don't think that's something we are potentially good at. We could take notes. However, I do think, like, we don't get credit for the fact that we are so large. Mm-hmm. It's like all of Europe probably collectively their like police rate could be similar to ours and it would make sense to do that. Yeah, yeah. Because like Great Britain relating their crime rate to ours makes no sense. I'm sure that that's what could fit not even inside Texas. Like, yeah, I can think of smaller states. What, Montana? The United States is 50 countries stacked in a trench coat pretending to be the same country. It's true, and it's got that many points of view, if not more. Yep. So, um, we are going to stay, though, in the decade that you talked about. Uh, You talked about 1984, right? 1984, yep. We're just going to do a little hop, skip, and jump to 1987. Oh, wow, yeah, just a couple years later. Roughly the same time frame, culture, all that. Yeah, so when you were working on that, I just decided to read a lot about what happened in 1987. Go for it. uh, Wow, what a year. Because there was a stock market crash. Oh gosh, I didn't even know that. I mean, who would? We've gone through so many at this point. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, Aretha Franklin was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes. Long live the Queen. In our hearts. In our souls. In our minds. In our iPods. (laughs) Um, And then the Reagan, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall speech. Uh. A.K.A. the Berlin Wall came down two years later, 1989. Yay. Um, But all of that pales in comparison. Not at all, actually, but we're going to travel to a place where I used to live walking distance from, unreasonably, but, like, nonetheless, I could walk to Bryant, Arkansas. Okay. And you might say to me, Elizabeth, why do you do so many Arkansas cases of mystery (laughs) and murder? And That's I, the greater mystery. That's the greater mystery right Well, there. I would say to you, listeners and Nate, because I know of a lot of Arkansas cases of mystery and murder, because I lived there. I was going to say, like, pa- paint us a picture of Bryant, Arkansas. What, what is, what's the feel? What's the vibe down there? Well, we live in Los Angeles, and um, I would say Los Angeles is very dry, burnt, brown, and uh, crisp. Yep. Lots of concrete. Yep. Lots of... Uh, jungle i say it's very brown that's mostly with the grass however downtown's very vibrant and fun Mm -hmm. and arts district love it um but 
Imagine things being green. Like, it's very green. What? I know. That's allowed? I know. And it's like, the one thing that, like, kind of scared me about Bryant, so the way that, like, my dad and I would drive to the Bryant Walmart, which was the closest Walmart for us, you know, there's 20,000 Walmarts in one city in Little Rock, because technically we lived in Little Rock, but we the Bryant Walmart was closer and bigger, and... You know, and there were cooler stores around it. And so we would have, we would take this like um, back road essentially. There mm-hmm. was a highway. Why take the highway when you could not? Mm-hmm. But it was, Scenic route. yeah, it was such a strange place because it was like, uh, what are those parks uh, for mobile home, mobile home parks? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or, uh, um, oh gosh trailer parks yes yes but i think i like mobile home mobile home has got a much nicer feel to it yes than, you even know, though like... please read up on mobile home parks and how it's a scam and keeping people in poverty <gasps> read into that um it's a it's a fact not one that i can talk about right now because i'm going to talk about moida moida but it is uh, mobile home parks and then you would have this gorgeous cemetery on the other side and then there would be another mobile home park and then there would be terrifying like wood areas like you just know someone's been murdered out there and it just hasn't been found yet interesting that that's the the, the area we're moving into for this unsolved murder exactly and then there was a juvenile detention center and it had a sign that said beware of hitchhikers and it cracked me up. I don't know why. It just says, beware of hitchhikers. Like it was the 70s or something. And then you would turn a corner and it would be completely civilization, like urbanized, uh, Walmart, all of these sh- like shopping malls and strip malls and like an eye doctor's office. It was just bananas, people. And so that was how we got to Bryant. And unreasonably, I could walk there. It would probably take me the whole day. But, and also in that humidity, mm, this hair could not handle. And, yeah, so Bryant, it's a smaller town. So the, the vibe I'm getting from Bryant is is just outside of Bryant, or Bryant adjacent, is the beginning of most horror movies, where there's a guy at one of the mobile stop homes saying, like, you could shouldn't be around here after dark. And like, oh, we're just going to the cabin up there. We'll be fine. And then they all get murdered by someone in a mask. Well, definitely in 1987. But Got it. By the 2010s, I would say it's pretty much urbanized, and it is like it does have a major um, highway cut through it. I believe I-40, which goes across the country. Um, which I funny story, which isn't funny at all, but I believe the I-40 bridge between Arkansas and Mississippi is out. Oh, which the one that goes over the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. I know that it went out. I have no idea when it's going to get fixed. So technically the I-40 bridge is out. And so it does not go across the country. Mm. But yeah, look that up too. Real funny in my opinion, just because very Southern that they just neglected to uh, fix it. Oh, you want to get over the Mississippi? Nah. Will we get to it? Maybe. Oh wait, did I say Mississippi? Tennessee. Tennessee. Oh. God. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, distance your your huge Tennessee fan base, but uh, who wants to go to Tennessee? It technically is my home state. I just <laughs> fucked that up. <laughs> um, and Distancing also, your Tennessee viewership of 
including you. Well I done, distanced Nate. myself. Yeah. You know, it's also terrible. Well, Dolly's from Tennessee. Okay, that's a good reason. That's and an also Nashville reason. and the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong. We could leave some country stars, but we can take some too. Yes. Yes, please. Like John Denver. I want to, I, yeah. I've, I had to give up John Denver's greatest hits or John Denver and the Muppets Christmas album. Oh, I couldn't give that up. No. Are you kidding me? Impossible. Miss Piggy singing Five Golden Rings. That's what makes. That's what Christmas is all Classic. about. Yeah, no. Everyone, every kid I know, myself included, took uh, a page from Mrs. Piggy and just like that's the best part. That's the best part of the song. Everyone else just it's like true. wait for them to get through it. But you gotta bum, bum, bum. kick everyone out and you know belt your big solo. Five gold rings. You gotta. You gotta. I think I uh, took a note from Miss Piggy and kind of became her as a human. So one of the better role models to live up to. Truly, to be perfectly honest. Truly. So anyone who does not know me, just imagine Miss Piggy, if you're hearing my voice. Um, so let's go back to 1987 when Bryant mm-hmm. was smaller. It's really just outside of Little Rock. Like I believe their borders even touch. It's in Saline County, which Little Rock is in Pulaski County. So there is a county line. Um, uh, difference so that may come up uh in the story but you know what we're gonna go to the pre-dawn hours of on august 23rd 1987 okay and right. for for knows uh uh what is, what is an august morning like in uh in bryant or arkansas is it is it's it humid so... we're covered in bugs mosquitoes everywhere definitely bugs Mosquitoes, I feel like, are year-round. You just live with it. Arkansas is so humid. Um, It's part of Tornado Alley, so you Mm. definitely just get used to being... And also, I believe this is part of Tornado weather, or Mm -hmm. like there's two tornado seasons, March, and then as you enter into the fall. Um, So this is the beginning of true fall, as opposed to living in Los Angeles, where we are um, in the pits of hell. We also like to call it Satan's anus. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Some of us do. It's so hot. Yeah, it does. It it just stays in the hundreds, and you're like, oh, September, it's going to be done, right? Because that's the fall. No. And then you're like, okay, October, we're done, right? That's when I have a pool party for my birthday. Mm Um so a lot of Angelina, but like the part that kills us is we dress in like a warm jacket and mm-hmm. shorts because at night it drops because we're the a heckin' 40s. desert. Yeah, yeah, it's the desert. So when you guys make fun of us for having the weirdest fashion sense, just remember when we get up for the morning, it is cold in the morning. It is Satan's anus during the day and it is cold at night and it is confusing. Yeah. And also interiors like to make sure that it's so cold that, you know, your ice doesn't melt. (laughs) Welcome to, and honestly, thank God, because I would just be dead at this point. So, Arkansas is a bit different. Like, you habituate to the climate a bit different. Um, I mean, I spent many years there, formatively. I never did obtain the accent. I am sad. My nieces, when I talk to them on the phone, it is spectacular because they have the accent. It's adorable. I hope they never lose it. Can you approximate an Arkansas accent to give us a sense of, like, what everyone is in our in our mind talking like down there in terms of the 
uh, I, I imagine if we're going to be in a murder, we're going to hang out with detectives. Like, what do you think the detectives oh, we're gonna, are and, like? And don't worry, I'm going to do impressions of the detectives. Lovely. But just like most places in the South, and I know a lot of Southerners talk about this, different locations have different accents. So if you're from yep. Georgia, you have a certain accent. And then if you're from Louisiana, you have another accent. And so... And they're not the same. So when you do, quote, a southern accent, it's not just as easy as whipping out, like, you know, a, a certain part and just exaggerating. So in Arkansas, you tend to hit your consonants really hard, especially mm. the R. Interestingly enough, Arkansas. Um, you don't really... You do drop your Gs in the I-N-G. Really? Okay. But you don't often have to like there's sometimes with emphasis you will keep your g and a lot of times it's like will you hand me a tartar sauce mm. you do have all of it it's just the inflection yep yep and i brought up tartar sauce because i had two r's and yep. i had Hard a co-worker them. yeah oh yeah i had a co-worker who sounded exactly like that and i could not stop saying that sentence <laughs> um but also like in i grew up in the city parts of arkansas a lot of people don't have an accent like myself it's some standard midwestern some people don't or they have a slight accent and so i think you've noticed this for me yep. some words i'll just slip into something yeah yeah um like that <laughs> and it's a little less noticeable and then some people especially when you get away from the city you slip into a drawl um yep. i think you know when we when i portray these uh characters here for you mm -hmm. you will get a few different versions of an accent i don't know it's whatever tickles my fancy okay so we've set the scene it's august 1987 humid af uh, uh, we're drop, we're hitting our R's, we're dropping our G's. And a 6,000 ton cargo train made its regular night run on its way to Little Rock, Arkansas. So this train, it's just about a mile long, and it was traveling at the speed of 52 miles per hour. It's heading nowhere near Topeka. I know that's in all the math problems. <laughs> Topeka's not a problem with this. Okay, it's on its way to Little Rock. It's actually almost there. So the train... It's been going smooth. The engineer is Stephen Schroyer, and he approached small town of Bryant on his way to Little Rock. He saw something in his path. Can't tell what it is, right? As the train grows closer, he actually realizes there's two bodies on oh the God. railroad tracks. Here is his quote. From the time that we had placed the train into emergency position and laid down on the horn... I would estimate about three to five seconds to impact. And that may not sound like a very long period of time, but when you're bearing down on a couple of children, it's an eternity. Honestly. Goodness gracious. And from what I know of the story, like, uh... Whose kids at, like, the crack of dawn were out playing on the railroad tracks? Oh, no, they were already dead. What? Yep. So... <sighs> Uh, Schroyer did carry a lot of guilt, from what I know about this case. So, um, the engineer tried to make an emergency stop, but when you're carrying a 6,000 ton cargo train going 52 miles an hour... You said it was a mile long. Like, that, that would... Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness. 
the weight of that cargo train, it takes a full half mile for the train to come to a stop. Here's your math problem. Like, how 52 miles an hour mile train, uh, like, how long, how many feet, how much time do you really have to stop that train? That's Yeah, that's why you never try to cut the railroad tracks. That's why they take it so seriously. And where I grew up in Arkansas, there were railroad tracks pretty much everywhere because shipping via train was really, really big. Especially because Arkansas has been a state for so long. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I've also taken passenger trains um, northern, not like the one that we have here for the PCA, but um, it's just like it's it's common. Yeah. And um, so it took them a full half mile to stop. Whew. And. Um, the boys' bodies were very, very mangled. Yeah. The two victims were identified as 16-year-old Don Henry and 17-year-old Kevin Ives. <clears throat> the two boys were best friends, and they were both popular seniors at Bryant High School, which I believe is the only high school at the time in Bryant, Arkansas, um, because it's such a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I had to make sure in my head that that was accurate. It may still be the same, but I have not been in Arkansas for quite some time now. Yep. And the state medical examiner, so the state, not the not the city, the state medical examiner said the boys had been under the influence of marijuana, and he ruled those deaths accidental. So according so, to this medical exam medical examiner, they hit the blunt Mm -hmm. and we're like you know where the most comfortable place is gonna be to just take a nap on these two railroad spikes so or not spikes but like rails uh, according to the state these two high school friends 16 something Mm -hmm. uh uh had their had a toke of weed and then took a nap on the railroad tracks yeah because that's so comfortable and and so um, at at this stage in the process of figuring out what happened, it seemed like it was they were unconscious and then killed by the impact of the train. According to the state medical examiner, okay. at this point, yes. Note that I have many pages left to go. Yes, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> end of the episode. Here we just are. Like, casting doubt. <laughs> Don't do marijuana, kids. Except it's legal in California. I mean, it is still not legal in Arkansas. I think. I think the lesson here is uh, uh, make sure you are taking your first toke by a bed rather than thinking, oh, maybe I'll toke next to the railroad tracks and then sleep on the railroad. There's a perfectly good bed of grass or something over to the side. Well, like, not I'm, railroad tracks. I'm just gonna throw down that the railroad tracks weren't an option. Um. Also, what I've learned from presenting all of these Arkansas cases is don't have anything bad happen to you in the state of Arkansas. Uh, Okay, that's definitely something I can control. (laughs) Hey, you know. Or or basically just drive through Arkansas very quickly is what I'm hearing. (laughs) But then you'll get pulled over. And how are you going to get out? The bridge is out. Damn it. This is the beginning of our horror movie. Ah, the bridge is out. Yeah, yeah, that that's the end of Act One right there. Note to self, Nate. Let's mm-hmm. write a horror movie in Arkansas. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, okay, so 
Next, Don and Kevin's parents, they could not accept that ruling, okay? Larry Ives, the father of Kevin, began a crusade to find out what really happened and to salvage the reputation of his son. So, quote from Larry. I couldn't believe that Kevin was knocked out on marijuana or into any kind of heavy drugs, which marijuana is not, by the way. Anything like that, because I was at home a lot during the day, and when Kevin come in from school and Linda was here at night, we'd never seen him in a state that he even act like he was, you know, spaced out or however you want to phrase it. To be fair... I should have done that in an accent, but you know what? To be fair, that's a good point. I yeah, feel like Larry's yeah. like, I know what marijuana's like, okay? That's not it. You don't just curl up in the most uncomfortable place possible. Like, I, I definitely feel like I can understand the idea of, I want to get away from, like, there, there are two versions of this that, like, you can, I can imagine, like, putting on a good face in front of your parents and being like, hey, you want to go, go, way out to the railroad tracks and smoke weed where our parents can't smell us or whatever. Yeah. But I don't buy curling up and taking a nap on wood and metal and yeah. waiting and, and just sleeping there until how can you not get woken up by the sound of a train literally well, bearing down on especially you? Especially by the fact that the horns went off and also those rails vibrate. Yeah. Oh yeah. Insanely hard. Way before you even see the train. And so, honestly, the direction I'm I'm thinking in uh, is that if if this is very much like you you do the full like uh, um you know uh, unsolved murder mysteries TV show kind of vibe of like this person lived their whole life had never done anything resembling drug culture and now they find marijuana in their system it's like maybe whoever transported them to the railroad tracks and left them there curled up is the one who got them high until they passed out. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's where my brain's going right now. So far? Yep. So, just so you know about Kevin and Don, they were mm-hmm. both typical teenage boys. They worked on their their cars. They both loved to hunt, like every other Arkansan boy, which is terrifying to me. <laughs> but whatever. So, Don naturally was hilarious, and Kevin was, of course, his laugh track. You know, you've yep. always got, you always got that person. Yeah. We're yeah. right here. Yes. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> so, someone's doing the goofy stuff. Someone's laughing at the goofy stuff. I know. I like that we switch off. Yes. Uh, most weekends they did double dates with their girlfriends. Oh, sweet. And so cute. Like, you know, bros and hoes. <laughs> um, which one's the hoe though? Definitely Kevin and Don. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this night of Saturday, August 22nd, the night before this happened, mm-hmm. Kevin and Don had met up with a group of friends at the, com- uh, the commuter parking lot. Okay. That was a gathering place for local teens. Uh-huh. Love that commuter parking lot. That, that's, that's where you're going to hang out. Everyone's going to be at the parking lot and, uh, hanging around the back of people's cars and just shooting the breeze. Yeah. One dude's doing donuts, you know, mm-hmm. um, around midnight, these two boys, who seemed to be connected at the hip, they left to go back to Don's house. And Kevin waited on the porch while Don went inside to talk to his father, Curtis. Such a southern name, Curtis. Curtis said he came in at approximately 12.15, told me he, where he was 12:15 going. 12.15 at night, midnight? Yes. Okay. 
told me where he was going and everything. I told him just to be careful, and he took one of my spotlights with him and his twenty-two. So, wait, wh- where were they going? Did He came in at, like, midnight 15, said, I'm taking a gun and a flashlight to check out the train tracks for some reason? Maybe they were just chilling to go... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Sorry. I have the answer. I forgot. This is what happens when you write your notes way too early. <laughs> um... So these two boys set off to go, quote, spotlighting. Do you remember? I don't because um, this is at before my time when parents weren't afraid of, like, everything and you could go yeah. out and do things. Oh, yeah. No, that, like, uh, uh, um, folks, if y'all are of the younger persuasion, younger than millennial, uh, and, and you're watching, say, Stranger Things or anything else that's, like, set in the 80s and you're like, Wait, these kids were just like went outside and and did their own stuff all day and just came home in time for dinner. Yeah, that's what it was like. There, there was not this kind of helicopter parent. You, you could not have a phone in your pocket where your mom or dad would be literally tracking you your location in order to make sure you got home in time. That that didn't exist. It was just go outside and play. Uh, it, it was the Get exact lost. opposite. It, it was literally like do not go down in the basement and play D and D. Do not go down in the basement and play. Uh, video games all day get outside make friends get out of here and um i had like the transitional version because i'm around the age of jean bonnet mm. and no it, it did definitely start to change when like our parents yeah. would like turn on the tv and go oh look all of these children getting kidnapped oh why don't you invite your friends from school to come over here and play board games that feels a lot better than yeah running out into the traffic <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and so I would have to go out with, like, my older siblings, and yeah. then they went off to college. It was like, oh, stay inside because someone might kidnap you. And Which I'm sounds like, like what this dad was getting to is, like, bring a flashlight. It's late at night, and, you know, might as well take a gun with you to protect yourself. Yep. Um, Especially since they're, you know, the wilderness is out there. And, it and could, who it could be a, It could be a bear. Yeah, like, it could it, be just some random wild it's animal. Arkansas. They don't yeah. call it the natural state for no reason. There mm. are wild predators. Mm. And men. So uh, what I'm curious about, what is spotlighting? I haven't heard that term okay. before. It's a form of night hunting, which is illegal in Arkansas. Oh. Ah! Oh, so um, uh, I'm just grabbing from the title. It, you you, uh, you point a spotlight, you spotlight the deer. The deer goes, oh, huh? and yeah. then easy prey. Yeah. One huh. of them would shine a light in the animal's eyes, transfixing the prey, while the other fired. Nice. Yeah. So that night, the boys choose their usual hunting ground along the railroad tracks that went behind Don's house, right? Mm-hmm. And then three hours later, the train came speeding down Bryant Hill, and the boys were lying parallel on the tracks, their arms straight down by their sides. Yeah, that, that feels like a placement to me. That does not feel like taking a nap. Right? Yeah, I, I feel like it, if you were so conked out to the world and were so high that you're just like oh here seems like a nice groove to curl up and you'd curl up into it you wouldn't like yeah be lying straight as a board as if you were one of the rails on the train or something that doesn't especially when they're vibrating that hard goodness that is not a vibe not at all no um according to the train crew they were partially covered with a light green tarp okay those are those are bodies placed by some crazy serial killer it's gotta be ever Oh, lying parallel to both of them was Don's twenty-two caliber rifle. According to the engineer, Stephen Troyer, neither boy was moving. Right? 
That is so weird. He said, I started lying down on the diesel horn. I ain't got no reaction, none at all. Not so much as a flinch. And we just passed over them. So, also... I have been woken up by a slight rustle on my bed. I don't know how diesel horn vibrating tracks, the ground shaking... I mean, this is like a this is like an earthquake. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing is, is the tarp that they saw was never recovered. Hmm. Intriguing, right? Yeah. So we're just gonna that, that gives me. And this is you know someone who's watched too many of these movies and TV shows it makes me think that like someone was nearby i'm i'm this is my own head conspiracy is that like someone placed those kids dead bodies on the tracks with uh the green tarp and laid the gun there because like maybe they got their fingerprints on it wanted to be destroyed as well Mm -hmm. um but then when oh shit i put that tarp there maybe my fingerprints are there and it it didn't get immediately destroyed Mm -hmm. so like waited for the whole train situation to go oh my gosh what the hell happened and like sees it floating grabs it, runs into the, you know, early dawn darkness. I mean, what it says to me is um, inside job and uh, COPS. Mm. But that's just, you know, I've studied so many of these at this point that, like, that's my first, that's my first thing. Wait, inside job with... uh, The cops. With the cops. Ah. But you know what? COPS. For some reason, I thought you were talking about a different, like, government... uh, what's the acronym for the COPS what's, what division of is that with the, the train is it no <laughs> good lord you're just so used to so many acronyms mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so now you gotta ask these questions right yep. what caused the boys to lie side by side on railroad tracks I think death I, I think someone placed them there um, so the state medical examiner concluded that they had smoked the equivalent of, and this is how it, he said it, 20 marijuana cigarettes. <laughs> I done lost my noodle when I read that. <laughs> like, because everything else from, like, uh, a doctor's perspective is, it, e- e- like, I feel like the coroner is one of the few people that you talk to is spe- speaking the metric system. Is yeah. like you know everything is cc's milligrams and like you can you can actually do that we can say well they had this many milligrams of marijuana in their yeah. system and I feel like maybe this is eighties to present day that you would say like oh they had this many milligrams go oh wow that's a lot uh, the same way that we talk about like you know uh, what's their their blood alcohol content yeah uh, but but twenty <laughs> cigarettes my goodness per person I just wait for madness. I just can't imagine, like, how he came to this conclusion. Like, in four hours, they sh- they were supposed to have ingested 20 marijuana cigarettes. The devil's weed. And he determined that Kevin and Don had been in a deep sleep induced by the drug and had never heard the oncoming train. I definitely think they would have felt it. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I've been messed up, mm-hmm. and uh, I definitely felt it. Yeah, I feel like there are a lot of folks on the other side of this podcast right now who who can like recall being woken very clearly from either you know a crazy night out or something like that. Yeah, that's that's not a 
That's, That's not, not true. This this to me sounds like a coroner who just wants to go back to sleep. No, this is a coroner who's uh, very biblical, in my opinion. But like, there's weed or not. Like, let's say there wasn't weed in their system, you would have to call like foul play in here. Just like yeah. Uh. So uh, he of course rules. He had ruled their death an accident, and so the parents would not accept it. And isn't there something that you can test for to just yeah, I think maybe so. this is me watching too much TV, but like to see like their if, time of death was before the train impact. Yeah, I think so. There, like, um, I think there is. Like, you definitely could check, like, you know, coagulation of the blood, mm, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. That that would help you time it out. Yeah. Um, because if there are, especially body temp, if their body temp was, yep, like way down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah the body starts doing certain uh rigor mortis and all type that. things before yeah. yeah and if they were out of rigor then de- well yeah yeah they had to have died in a certain period i mean i'm not sure if they had the technology to do all that or of course unless you had a very uh uh i don't know thoughtful killer who's just like okay if you two could just stand here be really doped out of your minds. Oh, the train's coming, and then and then lays them on the tracks. But of course, uh, I, I I can't imagine anyone I doing can't. that. Yeah. So Kevin's father, Larry, hires a private investigator. Oh wow. To find out what really happened, and every time, okay. So Larry's quote, right? Every time he would try to find out something, it would it seemed like he would meet resistance from different authorities, hmm. and we weren't getting anywhere. So five months go by wow. after these boys' death, right? The parents hold a press conference, right? And they hoped that it would force the authorities to reopen this investigation. Yeah. And the day after their press conference, the investigation was officially reopened. Well done. Newly appointed prosecutor Richard Garrett had the boys' bodies exhumed for a second autopsy. The, <laughs> the doctor that... Um, concluded together the boys had smoked not 20 but like one between one and three marijuana cigarettes he also found evidence that one boy was already dead and one unconscious before the train ever hit them so a grand jury reversed that medical examiner's original finding mm-hmm. of accidental death and officially ruled the boys' deaths as probable homicides. Ooh. I mean, how about homicides? But okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. So Garrett, who's a prosecutor, right? Prosecutor Richard mm-hmm. Garrett. Garrett then focused on the green tarp, which yeah. was reported by the green, the, the grain crew. <sighs> the train crew. Neither boy owned one. So Garrett wanted to know who covered it, who covered them with it, and why. Yeah. So, quote from Garrett. All four of the people on the train who were able to observe the scene prior to the accident stated that the boys were partially covered by a green tarp. I, 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 to me, that's the giveaway that they were killed by someone. Because I feel like there's a, a natural human impulse that when you... To tuck them in? Or to, when you see a dead body, you don't want to look at the face. There, yeah. There's something repulsive from seeing... Yeah. You know, and you, you want to cover that up. Like, that's why we see it in the movies that the people who are being respectful are putting a sheet over a body. Yeah. 
Which is interesting. It's, I find it intriguing. I see it more yeah. as like a cover up. Like, oh look, don't look at this. But it's like if if we're even going with that early coroner story of like, oh, they were just taking a nap on the railroad. Like, if I were taking a nap on the railroad, j- let's just go with that. I would take the tarp up to my chin. I wouldn't cover it over my head. That doesn't mm. make sense. Agreed. However. The police who had searched the scene later denied that Engineer Schroyer had even told them about the tarp. And according to Schroyer, they even questioned the tarp's existence. Gaslighting. <laughs> that, to me, would be like questioning the existence of the boys on the track. Mm-hmm. Because what's real is real, and what's not is not. And it was there, as well as the boys. Yeah. Get em. Schroyer's right. I mean... Yep. Then, another intriguing lead surfaced. One week before the boys were killed, a man wearing military fatigues had been spotted near the train tracks. His behavior aroused suspicion. When police officer Danny Allen stopped to question him, the man opened fire. Whoa! Oh, yeah. So, so there, there's someone who is just opening fire on police officers the week before these yeah. kids quote-unquote, took a nap. But get this. Danny Allen says, I got it from the seat. The subject was gone. We searched the area and never found the subject. That is the chillest response to someone who shot at you. Goodness gracious, yeah. Yeah. And the same night Kevin and Don died, witnesses again reported seeing a man in military fatigues. And this time, he was headed down the road less than 200 yards from the spot where the boys' bodies were found. Police, however, were unable to locate him. So that that's prime suspect number one of just someone who literally is standing around the train tracks looking to start some stuff, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, an update, okay? Don Henry's t-shirt was analyzed by an expert pathologist. Cuts in the fabric indicate that Don was stabbed before the train ran over him. So that was the most likely cause of death. Yep. So the grand jury changed its ruling from probable homicide to definite homicide. Wow. And now we're going to move to 2017. I just wanted to compliment you for a moment on... uh, having listened to many episodes that like every now and again people say well the cops are in on it and uh sometimes people imagine that's something where like and i'm not saying it doesn't happen because it does but imagine it's more along the lines of like cops specifically murdering people and then investigating their own murders uh and then getting away with it and burying the evidence and and it's it's more along the lines of what what i'm reading here of just incompetence that they've got like either a workload or they're busy and they're just like well, we could reopen this investigation that we just kind of slapped together. Went, yeah, whatever. They took a nap on the on the tracks, and moved past it. And that's that's how they're in on it. Is that like they could try and find the murder, but they're just they don't feel like it. And the question is, why don't you feel like it? There's a murderer who killed children. Why don't you care about finding out why? My point being that because um, they already know. Mm. Oh, that they, they probably already know who it is, and they're like... And why? It goes all the way to the top! That's my thing. All mm. the way to the top! And it, it's one of those, like, stupid bureaucratic political things that we can't arrest them for 
you know, social propriety reasons or whatever. We nonsense. can't arrest them because we're all in a drug ring together. Goodness. Well, let's let's see where this goes. So, 2017, guys. That's what five years ago, four years ago. 2000. Yeah. Good. This case went on. So. Yeah, it was unsolved for this long. It still is. <sighs> So, so the so, case is 30 years old at this point. So like 20 something years later, it's like, oh, okay. So this kid was stabbed. We kind of know that there was a murderer who knows what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Flash forward 20 years later. Yep. Goodness. Um, so the murder case now 30 years old. This is a, an article from KATV, a, I, I won't. I do. I want to say reputable, but you know, I take news stations for what they are. Local uh, news station. Local news station from Little Rock, one that I've seen. Um, it's thirty years old, and the mother of one of the victims has been on a journey to uncover the truth ever since. So for thirty years, she's had no idea why her son was killed. So a judge is set to privately review documents from three federal agencies connected to investigations into the deaths of Kevin Ives and Don Henry. So, of course, they were found dead on the train tracks August 23rd, 1987. Um, Just the the strength of this woman to continue to go after this and harboring all of those, you know, mental, emotional, psychological trials and tribulations to, like, go, no, I'm going to... I'm I'm still going to do it. I'm still doing this. I'm still going to knock on every door. Wow, good for her. So several books and documentaries have featured this case with multiple theories as to how these teenagers died. So Kevin Ives' mother, Linda, and her attorney, David Lewis, which at first I did read Daniel Day-Lewis. I was very confused. Like you would. Yes. But David Lewis, probably played by Daniel Day-Lewis in the made-for-TV movie. That would be amazing. Um, He... They believe the teens' deaths were the result of them witnessing a drug drop and covered up by the CIA. What? Yes. So they've spent years trying to obtain files to prove their case, but they've continually been met with pushback. Wow. So Lewis says, they'll say that we have to keep these to protect the identities of our informants or our investigation techniques. What investigation? There is no investigation. Nobody's trying to find anything. So in 2016, Lewis filed a lawsuit against nearly a dozen state and federal agencies claiming violations of the Freedom of Information Act. Two judges recused themselves from the case. Wow, that speaks volumes. Yes. Federal Judge Leon Holmes recused himself because he is related to the plaintiff by marriage, while Judge Billy Roy Wilson, what a name, (laughs) recused himself because he consulted one of the victim's parents as an attorney. That's a fair, that's a fair recusal. It's fair, but it's also like they're, they're looking for excuses to not be involved in this on a federal level. Well, technically being related that you have to recuse. Yeah. And then when you've already consulted, yeah, you have to recuse. Yeah, yeah. When the case was finally heard by Judge Brian Miller, who ended up dismissing most of the defendants from the lawsuit, I believe this Judge Brian Miller has also done some, like, awful things, um, but has since ordered the Department of Homeland Security Drug Enforcement Administration and the Executive Office of U.S. Attorneys to turn over unredacted documents 
that they believe are exempt from the F, uh, well, the Freedom of Information Act. Yeah. Good. Um, so the deadline was December 1st. Judge Miller will then review the documents in private and decide whether the documents should be handed over to Ives and Lewis or not. So if these reveal what I think they're going to reveal, then there's wrongful death case against the CIA. Yep. Wow, I haven't heard of a case anything like this. I know, it's bananas. Wow. So, while the speculation surrounding the boys' death, um, boys' death, plural, has been mostly conspiracy until now, Lewis questions whether, or if there's nothing for these agencies to hide, when then what's the issue with releasing the documents? Yeah. Why would they bury their exhibits? Why would they bury their reports? Why do they keep this from the public? The reason they keep this from the public is because they're the ones that are guilty. Direct quote from Lewis. Wow. He's also said the documents he's received from the Freedom of Information Act requests in the past pertaining to the death of Kevin Ives and Don Henry have been so heavily redacted, he claims they're practically useless. Goodness gracious. And that's something where, like, the, the part of me was like, hey, just, just give the documents directly to the family. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the federal judge set it up in this way, we're just like, I'm a federal judge. I look at federal papers for a living and make rulings. I will look at them through, the, like, whatever kind of confidential... Uh, but he can also still play... Right. Mediator and... Right, and so that he, he can be the person who kind of redacts or only gives over the information that these grieving parents need and still got unusably redacted documents after asking for non-redacted documents. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's like he gets to be... Like, he gets the unredacted documents and can still redact them however he wants. Yeah. So, one more article from THV11, another news station in Ar- Arkansas. This one's more recent. I believe 2019. Um, so, whatever happened into the woods that night is still a mystery. Remember, this is two years after this past article. We know that the cargo train was making its usual run to Little Rock in around 4 a.m. When the engineer spotted something on the tracks, there's, they were lying side by side on the track covered with a tarp. The train was unable to stop, and the boys were dragged for nearly a mile. Tarp was never found. Boys were killed. But with this new thing set in mind, like that, uh, that was something that I, w- I was clicking in my head earlier. That, like, this definitely seems like someone who is practiced in body disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, to make it the, look the, like death. To make it look but like But this is also lives. someone who knows, that, like, if there was an accidental death at, like, somewhere between midnight and four, or uh, these, these kids were killed because they saw something, if that's the direction we're going in. Someone made a decision and went, I know that a train is coming that can destroy these bodies in the next couple hours. Mm-hmm. And we just go over there and put them on the train tracks. It's not like we leave them on the train tracks and cross our fingers that they don't get found by the cops the next day or so. It's like, yeah. no, they'll be destroyed. at. Dawn. I got the train schedule right here. Yeah. That's... It's a usual Dealing with ride. a professional kind of yeah. thing. Yeesh. Or dealing with somebody... In law enforcement, who knew usual routes? <sighs> because who else would? Yeah. Yeah. So the boys' parents refused to believe that report, and after two op- more autopsies than the original, the report was changed from, you know, accident to homicide. Yeah. So over time, the investigation had delved into the variety of theories 
Um, perhaps the boys had witnessed something they shouldn't have. Perhaps mm. something to do with a drug drop. The cocaine trade had already had many ties to nearby Mina, Arkansas. So and I was gonna. Uh, it, it just clicked, and you said drug drop. That like that the la- on the last episode, I think 1984 was the start of the boom of the crack epidemic in Los Angeles. Yep. So th- this was definitely and when it the spread like wildfire fire. in those three something years. Yeah. Yeah. And whether it's crack or it's cocaine, but like th- this is when um, uh, the war on drugs was. Uh, gosh, I'm forgetting his name. His name. Um, well, they, they did that show uh, Cartel on Netflix about him. Um, I'm sorry for the, for the tangent, but like uh, the war on drugs was was a, a whole kind of perspective and yeah, yeah, dare yeah, yeah. with Reagan and everything. Yeah, and who am I thinking of? All um, of the um, pretty much like the biggest cartel uh, owners at the time would like whether they would say it to their local press or whatever would say like, well, thank you for the war on drugs by demonizing it. Our sales are up bigger and better than ever before. Thank mm-hmm. you. And uh, so yeah, it was. Uh, even though you think Arkansas, no one would ever do drugs in you know, <laughs> the natural country. It was happening everywhere. Ever. It was not just New York and L.A. and nowhere yeah. in between. It was all over the country. They just had more meth. I mean, have. That's, the, the, <laughs> that's yeah, no. It's just which drug in which yeah. state is predominant. Yeah. Um, and if it's a drug drop, that might be something where... Yeah, because rumors intensified over time, and conspiracy theories um, for about drug cartels, political corruption, and missing case files all played into these murders. And years later, the prosecutor in the case had been convicted of crimes including racketeering, extortion, and drug possession. Goodness. So... At least one person has come forward in recent years claiming to have witnessed the boys' murders. Oh, wow. But as of 2019, there is no official confirmation the claims are true. And that's where I leave you guys. Wow. That's where we are. Well, I feel like you've painted quite the picture. It's like we have... We don't have the burned house, but we have, like, you know, uh, gasoline and uh, smoke and... uh, and like uh, a rag and Molotov cocktails, we, yeah. we just don't have you know v- surveillance video that clearly shows the man throwing, setting the house on fire. And right. Just, and that's why that. And it's also like it's. And Arkansas police are well known for being involved with the um, not that great part of society, and mm. so this is why I am hilariously like, yeah, they they probably know. That's why they didn't look into it. They were saving their own butts. Yeah. And they gave it enough time to where, like, things degraded. And, you know, yeah, he did have stab wounds in his T-shirt. I'm almost 100% certain that both boys were dead when they were laid on those tracks. And that someone knew that train was on its way. And they kept an eye out to make sure that the train hit them before... They left, and that's why the tarp disappeared. And and here's the the thing that clicks with me is that like I can totally imagine some kind of TV drama version of this where the coroner or the police go, oh no, th- these bodies have been found. There's this horrible train accident. Let's investigate it. And then if they were in fact like you know collateral damage, unfortunately, 
of uh, having seen something where the CIA was doing some kind of drug drop that they shouldn't have or that they could have, like, you know, it would not have been a good press day for them, um, uh, that they would have received, like, hey, don't investigate this. Let's, let's you know, try and just shove them into a back corner of the morgue and pretend it never happened. Four hours is a very short amount of time to get word from on high that you need to cover this up. This sounds like they're almost like told the moment it happened. Like, wake the coroner up and tell him this is what he needs to find. Yeah. That's insidious. And what's the CIA trying to do? But, you know, everyone says that the CIA started the whole crack epidemic and it just, unfortunately... It's like, okay, what are you trying to hide here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where we leave you today. I would love to know what you guys think and if you have theories. And please do watch the media that has been produced around it. Please make sure it's quality media and it involves the family. Anything that cuts the family out was not authorized by, or not authorized by them. You know, we don't care about that. Um, yeah. We care about the ones that are authorized by them. And we want to know... And by media, I mean, like, the TV shows. And, like, there is an Unsolved Mysteries that is spot on. It's with Robert Stack, my hero. Um, one day I'm just going to sprout into a, like, Masonic temple. <laughs> Have, like, the mist behind me. And <laughs> you, too, could solve a mystery. Um, but, yeah, I would love to hear what you guys think. If you think we're off the mark or if we're close by. Um would be really interesting to get your opinion. So what do you think, Nate? Do you have any other? Uh, my, my parting thoughts is that, like, uh, um, it, it seems like the uh, the thought of if you suspect foul play in uh, the death of a loved one is to not just sit ba- sit on your hands and hope the police do your job. you got to raise hell. you got to get a private investigator. you got to, like... It, it sucks, but it, it kind of exposes the justice system that it, it responds to capitalism, it responds to yes. spend a lot of money on a private investigator, get the press, get the media, you know, yammering, make your mm-hmm. story the bigger story. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, maybe we should do something about these corrupt police officers. And then the police are like, fine, they're looking at us now. We'll do our jobs. Yeah. That's that's how you and they even they only got partial justice. Like they still don't we, we still, still don't know who the murderers are. We it's, just know that okay, we're we're not going to pretend that they took a nap on the the train uh tracks and and they actually were murdered by someone, which is it's it's it sucks that they spent 30 something years to get that that yeah. that is the the, the closure that the, the state is going to give them. And unfortunately, we see this trend often, and that's our job here at Let's Talk About the Facts, because we want to make sure that it's exposed, and we don't let that continue to... Entirely. Yeah. To continue to be the precedent that we set. So, yeah. So I guess tune in next week, and maybe we will talk about something spooky, because we've done a lot of... uh, a lot of murder lately. A lot, a lot of murder, a lot of mysteries, a lot of unsolved crimes. Uh, we always do. Yeah, yeah. But maybe we can do some unsolved house crimes. Ooh. 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 Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. Don't forget our Patreon. We'd love to keep the lights on here. And uh, How much is the Patreon? It's like, you know, five bucks. Five bucks? That's it? That's it. Damn. 
Yeah. That is a steal. A legal one. Yeah. And I think we're we're going to work on making t-shirts. Ooh. Yeah. So yes. if you're a Patreon member, you'll probably get a free one. Hey. Nice. Um, I think it depends on how long you've been a member, but, yep. you know, t-shirt is t-shirt. And we're still working on it. Uh, got some good designs from Shout Out to Blythe. And uh, what, else, what else is going on? I don't know. We got hopefully new stuff on the horizon. And I'm, I'm excited as a fan and hopefully getting ass back. But we'll, but either way, I'm, I'm going to be You're hearing more permanent spooky mysteries. Ass back. Oh. <laughs> One day you, Vaughn, and I will do something that will just shred. Oh, my gosh. The three of us. That would be fa- like between the two of us, like I don't know who's gonna be more spooked and terrified of like a creepy doll story or something like that. I know. I already tortured him with Annabelle and Robert the doll. I, I was just like uh, just listening to that episode. By the way, listen, listen to all the episodes. That's a fantastic episode. I was listening to that one driving around and just shouting at the top of my lungs, "No, no, no, <laughs> no, no!" Like every few minutes. It's fantastic. We love to torture Vaughn. Love to see it. Um. And yeah, so follow us on the Twitter or the Instagram at T-A-L-K-A-B-T-F-A-C-T-S. And you can find Nate over here at... At Nate Ruger on the Twitters and at Nate Ruger Makes Movies on the Instagrams. I think it's uh, R-U-E-G-G-E-R. That is correct. Just to throw that down. And uh, you guys know where to find me. You know, snooping. I found a Teletubby conspiracy theory. So you That's know. an episode. Yeah. Well, you remember that vaccination post they had? No. Oh, yeah. Next, Ooh. Teaser next... for a later, later mystery to, un, to uh, unravel. I'll let you guys know next week. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. And I guess that's it for Let's Talk About the Facts this week. Next week, who knows? Who knows?